0: Let's dive in to our message today. Friends, we have come together this morning at the invitation of John and Jane to share in the joy of their wedding. And this outward celebration that we will see and hear is an expression of their inner love and devotion that they have in their hearts. If you've been to a wedding recently, or if you're married, then you've probably heard words similar to these. In the opening scenes of the movie Up, Carl and Ellie's marriage is summed up in just a few powerful moments. There's no words, there's just these scenes from them being kids and to them growing old. And man, what a powerful opening to a movie. I have to admit, anytime the movie Up is on, it always seems to be dusty in the room. I I don't know why, but it always just seems to be dusty, especially that opening scene. In Detroit, Michigan, a man applied for a marriage license but failed to reappear to collect his marriage license for almost 11 years. (laughs) When finally asked why he and his fiance had waited so long to not only collect their marriage license but to finally get married, he said, we had a few disagreements about the details. (laughs) I hope today that you will see The importance of marriage in the kingdom of God. And I hope today from Peter's words, we can learn to see how our roles that we play in our marriages, how they have an impact for the kingdom of God when we have our marriages for Jesus. One of the strongest earthly examples of faithfulness is through marriage. Not only are we called to be faithful to our spouses for life, But through our marriages, when we show that faithfulness, we are glorifying God and we are showing the rest of the world how God intends to be faithful and is faithful to us when we joyfully continue in our marriages, even when they're difficult. At weddings, we see smiles and tears and nerves. We share in the celebration of the ignorance of two people (laughs) because if you've been married for more than five minutes, then you know this reality all too well, that we all have baggage, amen? We all have baggage that we bring into our marriages. Big piles of likes and dislikes, of good and bad habits, of realistic and unrealistic expectations, of ideas and behaviors that we've picked up from our parents, that we have picked up from our past relationships, from our standard of living to our spiritual maturity, to our backgrounds, and to our friends. On the good end, our baggage includes our God-given personalities and gifts. But on the not-so-good end, as the writer of Hebrew puts it, our baggage includes the sin that so easily entangles us immaturity, and skeletons in our family's closets often come along in the baggage that we bring into marriage. So the question then remains, is marriage even possible? Is it possible to make marriage work, and not just to make marriage work, but to make it great? In a day when, when pressure is high, when families are under fire, when people throw in the towel, when the toilet paper roll is put on the wrong way, and when divorce rates are high, when the question of what marriage even means is all around us. Can it be done? And is it worth it? Well, friends, I believe that not only can it be done, but it is worth it. And when we invite Jesus in, there is hope for our families. There is hope for our homes. There is hope for our church. There is hope for our community, and there is hope for my for our marriages. Now, I have a couple of disclaimers before we dive into the message. First, I am not an expert on women nor on marriage, okay? I am just a man who has made a ton of mistakes but who loves God, who loves my wife, and who loves our family. I'm a man whose heart breaks when I see other men not stepping up to become the men of God that God has called them to be. I'm a man whose heart breaks when I see men and women throw in the towel and give up on marriage. I truly believe through this exhausting and beautiful thing that we call marriage, that God shows the rest of the world his love for them. My second disclaimer is this. I know that many of you aren't married and may never get married. And I want you to know today uh, that Paul is the one who said that singleness is a gift from God as much as marriage is. I, I think we overlook that a lot in our culture. We pressure people to get married, but it was Paul who said that singleness is a gift of God as much as marriage is. But it was also Paul, a single man, who understood the power in the illustration of marriage that marriage gives for Jesus and his church. And so today, I hope that you won't tune out this message But as we look at what faithfulness in marriage looks like, I hope that even if you aren't married and don't ever plan to get married, that seeing what faithfulness in marriage looks like will show you what the faithfulness of God looks like and shows you the importance of remaining and following, following Jesus in every part of your lives. Okay, So with those two disclaimers out of the way, Let's dive in to 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up there to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, please take one. We have some on the back table. We love to give you a copy of one from us to you. 1 Peter is almost at the very end of the Bible. If you are looking for it, it comes right after the book of Hebrews and James and right before 2 Peter and 1, 2, and Third John. And as you're turning there, uh, over the summer we've been studying through 1 Peter and we have been seeing how we have been chosen to be set apart um, by God. And today we're going to see how we have been chosen and to be set apart in our marriages. And so ladies, we start with you. Here are some words from Peter, some wise words for wives in verse 1. Wives, in the same way... Submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. So let's pause there for just a moment. So Peter says, in the same way. He says, likewise. So Peter is pointing us back to something that he has already said. He's pointing us back to the example That Jesus has given us. If you remember from the end of chapter 2, Peter says that we need to follow the example of Jesus that he referred to there. And, And we see how Jesus submitted himself to God the Father's will and We also saw how we as followers of Jesus are not only to follow his example, but we too are to submit ourselves to the authority of our governments, and we are to submit ourselves over in our workplaces. And now we have another area in our relationships with other people where submission and respect and honor is needed. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Notice that Peter does not say, wives become slaves to your own husbands. Again, Peter is simply taking us back to this theme of submission that he has been talking about in chapter 2, and he carries that on into these other relationships that we have, into our husband and wife relationships. This submission does not make wives, it does not make them slaves but it requires them to show submission in a way that is appropriate in their situation. In fact, both men and women are commanded to submit themselves, not because the other person deserves it, but for the Lord's sake. Sadly, people have taken this verse and others and misused these scriptures to try to justify the abuse and mistreatment and belittlement of women. Or, on the other end of the spectrum, people have taken these verses and thrown them out all together and say, well, these verses have no, no place in our day and time. We have grown past these Neolithic way of thinking, they say. But I believe that rightly understanding what submission does and how submission does not diminish our dignity nor our personhood puts submission in its proper Place. It literally means to arrange oneself underneath. The submissive person lives in proper arrangement with others. Submission suggests an attitude of humility and thoughtfulness and consideration. A submissive person puts love and faith into action by unselfishly doing whatever is in the best interest of the other person. Now, submission certainly did not diminish the greatness of Jesus. Jesus submitted himself to God the Father, and yet Jesus and God the Father are one and equal. In fact, Jesus' submission to the Father's will actually was a key to his greatness. In fact, One of our core values here at Journey Church is that we follow the example of Jesus who sacrificed self for the needy, the hurting, and the lost. And we say that we put our faith into action even when we are called to sacrifice and suffer to care for their needs over our own, and this includes in our marriages. Notice that Peter doesn't say, wives be inferior to your husbands. Notice that Peter doesn't say, wives, be doormats for your husbands. In fact, as we're going to get to in just a moment, Peter makes it clear that wives, as well as husbands, are just as much a child of God. And this would have spoken against everything that was in that culture, as it probably speaks to a lot against what's in our culture. Notice again why Peter tells wives to be submissive to their husbands. Look back at verse 1 again and then into verse 2. He says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words but by behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of their lives. Now, Peter, excuse me, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, tells us to not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever, right? But just like then, today, we have people who come to become followers of Jesus whose spouses aren't, okay? And so Peter tells us here to wives, with submission and with respect and with your behavior, Lead your husbands to Jesus. And notice here that everything comes back to our foundation, to our cornerstone. It all comes back to Jesus. He is the reason, he is the motivation for why we do this. He is the end result. Now church, let me speak to you for just a moment. Because I believe that we have a great responsibility and a great opportunity to those who are believers and whose spouses aren't believers. And and here are those responsibilities and those opportunities that we have as a church. First, we need to provide lots of encouragement to those who are believers and whose spouses aren't believers. The second responsibility and opportunity that we have is to help nurture their children to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The third opportunity and responsibility that we as a church have for those who are believers and whose spouses aren't is for us to reach out to their spouses and help to build bridges for them to come to know Jesus. And then lastly, I believe as the church, our responsibility and our opportunities to those who are believers and whose spouses aren't, is for us to cover those believers in our constant prayers. Paul tells us who are married to an unbelieving spouse that we should not seek to end that marriage. So how in a world can we, can we take Peter's instructions and Paul's instructions and put them together and live them out? How can a woman submit themselves to an unbelieving husband? How can she share her faith with him? Well, Peter tells us, may he be won over without words, but by the behavior of his wife. By the constant living out the gospel in his presence over the long haul. And I believe that that could work either way. You know, if the the husband who's a believer and the spouse who's not. Friends, when when a Christian spouse responds to an unbelieving spouse with unselfish love constantly, they are living out the gospel right before their eyes. Now Peter continues with his wise words for wives in verse 3. Verse 3, he says, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles or wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather it should be that of your inner self, your unfading beauty, of your gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in this way, the holy women of the past put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her lord. You or her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So Peter, again, I want you to notice, does not say don't wear makeup or don't wear jewelry. But what Peter does say here is don't find your worth in those things. Now, ladies, I know that you don't feel put together if you don't have your hair done and your makeup on. But I want you to hear me this morning. As the psalmist tells us, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful, you shimmer, you shine, not because of what you have on, not because of the number that's on the scale, not because of how many friends you have on Facebook or followers you have on Instagram. Your beauty comes from your heart. And your beauty comes from the fact that you are a child of God in Jesus. Your beauty is imperishable quality when you are gentle and quiet in spirit, when you humbly submit yourselves to your husbands, not because your husbands are awesome, but because the awesome one has died for you and for him. You are children of world-changing women that have gone before you, like Esther and Ruth and Mary and Sarah. When you do what is right without fear, you are loved, you are beautiful, you... And your beauty shine, let your beauty shine, so that they may see Jesus in you. Now I, for one, am beyond grateful for my amazing, lovely, talented wife, Suzanne. I know that I would not be half the man that I am of God if it weren't for her prayers and her hard work and for her fighting with me and, and pushing me and us working together. And I wouldn't want to do this life. With anyone else, all right, men, it's our turn. Women, you get six verses. Men, we get one. (laughs) I think I think Peter may have understood men and women pretty well. I don't know about you. That's just one though. It's one powerful sentence in verse seven. Let's dig in. Men, listen up, husbands. In the same way, be considerate to as you live with your wives and treat them. With respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. There was a young man who went to see Dr. Harry Ironside to confess a fault. He said, I am loving my wife too much, he told the Bible preacher. In fact, I've put her on such a high plane that I believe that it is sinful. Well, do you think that you love your wife more than Jesus loves the church? He asked. The young man dared not to say, Well, that's the limit to which we must go. Men, in the same way, follow the example that Jesus has left for us. So, how can we follow his example in our marriages and in our homes? What well, starts with us first understanding our wives? Now, hold on a minute, Peter. You're saying i got to understand my wife? (laughs) Men, I think we need to be reminded of this. Not that we can ever fully understand the complexities of the amazing women that God has blessed us with, but more so that we live with them in an understanding and a considerate way. Men, sometimes I think that we think that our wives think like we do. If you didn't know this before, I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to let you in a little secret. They don't, okay? They think differently than we do. And so sometimes we need to slow down and we need to explain the way that we are thinking. We need to let them know and not just assume that they know. Now, women, I want to let you know that we don't think the way that you do either, and this may work for you too, okay? (laughs) But let's slow down and explain our line of thinking. I know that for me, when Suzanne doesn't think like I do or respond the way that I think that she should respond or the, the way that I would respond, I either either get upset or I shut down. Right? That's kind of my default response to trouble, just to kind of shut down. And neither one of those are, are healthy. Men, we need to engage in our marriages. We don't need to just drift and put it in neutral. We don't need to just coast through our marriages. We need to engage. We need to think about our wife's unique personalities and spiritual gifts and needs. Husbands, treat your wives with gentle strength. Husbands, encourage your wives with your words and not just with your looks. Don't tear her down, but build her up to her face, and to other people. Make time for your wives. And I know that you spend a lot of time providing a roof over her head, but we need to spend some time underneath that roof with our wives as well. Make time to spend with your wives. Build her sense of security. Be patient with her. Find out her unique needs and try to meet those needs, Your wife, like mine, is one of a kind. She is a priceless gift to be cherished. Understand her and respect her. Men, we show our respect to our wives in the way that we speak to our wives. In the way that we listen to our wives. We respect and show our respect to our wives in the way that we talk about our wives to others. Men, not only are we showing respect to our wives in this, but we are also showing our children and our co-workers what it looks like to have respect. Men, we are showing our daughters what they should look for in a man and how they should expect men to treat them in the way that we speak to our spouses and the way that we speak about them to others. Men, we are showing our sons how they should treat women with the way that we speak to our spouses, and the way that we listen to them, and the way that we speak about them. And sadly, I've seen and heard too many times men even jokingly tear down their wives. In fact, I've heard preachers that will stand in pulpits and jokingly tear down their wives. Men, we need better. We need to do better. Our wives need better from us. Our children need better from us. Our families need better from us. Our church and our community need better from us. Paul tells us in Ephesians to love our wives as Jesus has loved the church and has given himself up for her. Men, let us love our wives as Jesus has loved The church. And friends, when we humble ourselves for the sake of Jesus in our marriage and we welcome Jesus into our homes, when we sacrifice ourselves for our spouses and we put their needs above our own, not only will we show the grace of God to our spouses, but to our children and to the rest of the world. So, friends, let me ask you. If you're married, what's your marriage for? Is it for comfort? That's what I know. Is it for convenience? Is your marriage for yourself? Is your marriage for your children? Or is your marriage for Jesus? When we put Jesus first in our marriages... We will lead our spouses and our children and even our co-workers and our neighbors to come and follow Jesus. We set an example in our marriages for the rest of the world around us. And remember, it is Jesus who is the one who has healed our wounds and who has given us new life. And so Journey Church, let me ask you. Can we make a commitment right here and now? that from this day forward, we as Journey Church, in our marriages, will not just put Jesus in them, but will put Jesus first in our marriages. Can I ask that we can make this commitment right here and now? That we would put Jesus first in our marriages? Now, in order for us to do that, that may mean that we have to cut the music off, and turn the lights on. I used to love going to uh, middle school dances as a kid. I, I never was good at dancing, but I always loved hanging out with my friends, right? It was always a fun time. Everybody from school was going to be there, right? And they had the lights down. The music was up, you know, jamming. But I always knew when the, the dance was over, right? Because they would cut the music off, and the lights would come on, right? And everybody would look around, and it's like, oh, it's time to go home. Some of us need to cut the music off and cut the lights on in our marriages. Some of us need to go home and sit down with our spouses today and have some hard conversations. Some of us today need to go and sit down with our spouses and we need to ask for forgiveness for something that we've done or many things that we've done or not done. Some of us need to turn off the the music and cut on the lights and have some hard conversations and give forgiveness to our spouses. And some of us need to do both. Some of us have turned our marriages into glorified roommates to a person that we have pledged our life to before God. And friends, God wants something so much more for you for your marriage. He wants you to have a marriage that don't just work, but that glorify Him. And that may mean that you have to ask your spouse to forgive you. And that may mean that you have to give forgiveness to your spouse. That may mean that you need to start today being intentional about being the spiritual leader of your home. That may mean That you have to have some hard conversations with the person that you've pledged your life to before God. Let's put Jesus not only in our marriage, but let's put him first in our marriages. Again, he gives us the perfect example of what marriage should look like. We have this in Jesus and us as his church. As Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 22, he says, Wives, Submit yourselves to your own husbands for the Lord. Or excuse me, as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and gave herself gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle, without blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Friends, Jesus loves us so much that he gave his life to wash us of our sins, to make us clean. And Jesus not only has set an example for us in our marriages and how we are to relate to our spouses, but it's through his sacrifice that he presents God's grace to us. Some of you today Need to respond to that grace. And need to allow his sacrifice to wash away your sins by repenting of your sins and meeting him in baptism so that he can present you holy and blameless to God the Father. If that's you today, why don't you come and talk? I'm going to be out in the lobby. Let's put God first in our marriages.